Hello and welcome to the Will Preach for Food podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 3, entitled Love Matters. I am Doug. I'm pastor at Faith Lutheran Church. We are based in Shelton, Washington, and a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Faith is a welcoming community, growing closer to and more like Jesus, making Christ known, joyfully serving each other, our neighbors, and all God's creation. Learn more about faith at our website, www.faithshelton.org. Thanks for listening today. This podcast, talking about love, God's love for us, and Jesus' radical countercultural call for Christians to love, to love our enemies. And we're going to wonder what that means for us today. I pray that today's message will help Faith Lutheran Church embrace and live into its newest vision and mission statement. And I pray that today's message will inspire each one of you to embrace and live into your identity as a child of God, loved like Jesus was loved, and loving others like Jesus loved. So open your Bible to Luke chapter 6, verse 27. Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 36. And let's pray. Yesu, Yesu, fill us with your love. Show us how to serve the neighbors we have in you. Amen. So the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the sixth chapter, beginning at verse 27. Jesus taught them, But to you who are listening, I say, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, What credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get back anything. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because God is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Here ends the reading. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. How many of you grew up with the golden rule, you know, to do unto others as you would have them do unto you? How many of you knew that that was in the Bible? How many of you knew that that was Luke chapter 6, verse 31? This whole chapter is known as the Sermon on the Plain. It's Luke's kind of shortened version of the Sermon on the Mount recorded in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And right at the heart of this is Luke chapter 6, verse 31, the golden rule. You know, as I read this uh, passage, though, I realize that the golden rule is the least radical, the least controversial portion of this entire teaching. I mean, listen to what he says around it. Listen to what he says. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate your guts. Bless those who curse you and post mean things about you on Facebook. Pray for those who give you the hardest time. 
turn the other cheek. That means when somebody punches you in the nose, bashes half your face in, you should turn to them the other cheek also. If someone takes your favorite winter coat, give them the shirt off your back as well. Give to anyone who asks, and if someone takes something from you, don't tell them to give it back. Does anybody wonder if this is particularly good advice? But in verse 32, Jesus offers the rationale. Look, he says, if you only love those who love you, where is the grace in that? It's nothing special. If you only do good to those who do good to you, if you only lend to people you know will pay you back, well, you don't need Jesus to tell you to do that. No, he says, love your enemies, do good to them, don't expect anything in return, because then you will truly be a child of the Most High, a true son, a true daughter of God, a chip off the old block. Love is not a means to the kingdom of God. Love is the kingdom of God. To love God and to love like God is the point. Loving your enemies, doing good to them, lending to them without expecting to get anything back. These are how God loves. Show mercy and compassion to others, Jesus concludes, because the Most High shows compassion and mercy to others. And Jesus is a son of the Most High. That's what the angel had told Mary that Jesus would be. And so Jesus practices what he preaches. He begins his ministry announcing the kingdom of God, and so we shouldn't be surprised to find him hanging with tax collectors and sitting with sinners and telling people that God is like a shepherd who won't rest until every lost sheep is brought safely home, and he just won't shut up about it. After a while, one night a friend betrays him. He's ambushed and arrested, stripped of his clothes and his dignity and his friends. He endures a beating, a crown of thorns, spitting, ridicule, and having nails driven into his flesh, hung to die a slow and painful death, and not once, not once does he defend himself or lash out or strike back. On the cross he blesses those who curse him. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And it's not like Jesus just made this stuff up. It's actually one of the most common refrains in the Old Testament testifying that the steadfast love of God, the hesed of God, is the essential nature of God. As early as Moses encounters God on Mount Sinai, declares that Yahweh is the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, hesed, and faithfulness, loving the multitudes, forgiving their wickedness, rebellion, and sin. That's Exodus 34. Or Psalm 103, when King David proclaims that Yahweh is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in hesed, steadfast love. Lamentations 2.22 credits the hesed of God for keeping humanity from destroying itself. For the compassion of Yahweh never fails. It is new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The prophet Jonah. Jonah actually complains because, because God decides not to destroy the city of Nineveh. Jonah complains because... I knew this would happen, he says. I knew, O God, that you were gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. I knew that you would relent. You wouldn't go through with your threat. God consistently shows love to a sinful world that doesn't deserve it, a sinful world that doesn't acknowledge him, a sinful world that doesn't return the favor. 
And God's people throughout Scripture are instructed to do likewise, to love the foreigner among them, even to treat their enemies with compassion. That goes as far back as Leviticus. And then there's 2 Kings chapter 6. There's a great story from uh, chapter 6, verses 8 through 23, the prophet Elisha. You know, that's the same one who, in the previous chapter, uh, in, in 2 Kings 5, had cured an enemy general of his leprosy. Well, now Elisha is surrounded by enemy soldiers that want to capture him because it seems as though uh, Elisha always knows where the enemy troops are. And so they, well, we got to get this guy. And so they finally think they have him cornered. And in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 19, is recorded the first ever Jedi mind trick when Elisha looks at them and causes blindness and waves his hand in front of them and says, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And the soldiers follow him and he leads the soldiers right into the middle of the Israelite camp with the king and the army right there. The king of Israel asks Elisha, shall I kill all these soldiers? No, Elisha says, give them something to eat and then send them back home. And right then and there, two armies, two sets of enemies sit down for a big feast and then everyone goes home. Funny thing, the Bible says that after that, the enemy armies stopped raiding Israel's territory, at least for a little while. You know, the Old Testament is pretty brutal on the whole, but seeds of Hesed love are planted deeply in the Scriptures. And these seeds come to bear in the teaching and example of Jesus. And it's key in the early church. The Apostle Paul comes along and writes about love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Often these words are spoken at a wedding or a funeral in warm, romantic, affectionate terms. But Paul is really speaking of hesed love, a a fundamental way of life, the way of Christian love. Listen to what the Apostle says, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter it's called. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part and prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. Agape love, hesed love, 
the love of God, the way of the kingdom of God. Paul reminds us it's not about how much noise you make, how smart or spiritual you are, or even how much good you accomplish. Without love, you're just making noise, wasting time, going nowhere. Can you hear Jesus' voice in Paul's words? Love is kind. It does not dishonor others, not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs. All the other stuff is child's play. It's immature, adolescent, adventures, and missing the point. At the end of the day, only three things endure, faith, hope, and love. And love is at the top of the list. Here's the thing. Here is the basic of Christian teachings around love. If I love somebody so that I can get something from them, I'm not really loving them. If I love somebody as a means to earning a reward or avoiding punishment, then I am not really loving them. Loving my enemies is not a means to getting what I want. It's not a test I have to pass so that God will give me a prize or so that they'll love me and no longer be my enemy. To be able to love my enemies without thought or of reward or consequences is the godly life, the life we were made for as children of the Most High, because that's how God loves us. When I love my enemies, when I forgive debts, when I turn the other cheek, when I do good to those who think differently than I do, then I am living in and into the kingdom of God. And on the other side, when I am not loving my enemies, when I am not following, <laughs> if I, when I'm not loving my enemies, I'm not following the teaching and example of Jesus. When I'm not loving my enemies, turning the other cheek, forgiving debts and offenses, doing good to the very people who say they hate my guts, then I am not living as God has called me to live because I'm not loving the way God loves. Now, of course, this kind of love will get you killed. The whole cross thing, remember that. The thing about this love is that it's the most powerful force in the world, but it absolutely refuses to be wielded for anyone's grand purpose. There was a recent political rally at a big church in Texas where a popular politician lamented that Christians were losing the culture war in America. And he suggested that Jesus' teaching about love and turning the other cheek was a losing strategy. To save American Christianity, he argued, we need to stop listening to Jesus and Paul and Elisha and Moses and David and the prophets. Not really sure who's left, but <laughs> all my life I have watched and I have listened to Christians do theological somersaults to explain why Jesus was wrong and how Christianity or, or the church or this Christian nation just has to build up our nuclear arsenal or enslave this population or displace that other group of people or go to war against those people, we have to insist on our own way. Because if we don't defend our way of life, who will? We can't win by loving our enemies. We can't win this culture war by turning the other cheek. Jesus was idealistic, naive, I've been told. The Bible just doesn't understand how the world works and what it takes to stay on top. To which Jesus might say what he said in Mark chapter 8. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. 
What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful nature generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. So I'm going to listen to Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I've been baptized into the faith. I have accepted Christ as my Savior. I believe that God's word is true now more than ever. I believe that Jesus calls us to follow him and to follow his commands and to follow his example. I believe that Jesus knew exactly what he was saying. The way of Hesed love is the kingdom of God, the mark and reward of the daughters and sons of the Most High. So I have decided by the grace of God to follow Jesus. No turning back, as the song says. No turning back. And I want to encourage you to dare to take up your cross, to follow Jesus in the way of agape love, hesed, steadfast love, the love of the Most High God. And I want to be a church of Christ-following, enemy-loving, cheek-turning daughters and sons of God. We won't do it perfectly. We will stumble. We will lose heart. We will fall short. We'll trip over each other. We'll disagree about most things along the way, and we won't even be able to agree about how to love. But I believe this. I believe that faith is energized by God's amazing love. Faith is inspired by God's amazing love. Faith is compelled by God's amazing love. And that faith is called to live according to God's amazing love. And so, by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, may the people of faith love our enemies, do good to those who hate us. May we pour ourselves out for people who will never pay us back. May we be patient and kind. May we not dishonor others. May the people of faith not be self-seeking or insist on our own way. May we lean into our struggles and doubts and questions. May we follow Jesus and have each other's back, no matter what. No turning back, no turning back. And maybe, maybe our dedication to and demonstration of God's mercy and love will lead to some brief moments of unity and peace. Maybe others will join our movement and our church will grow. Or... Maybe not. Maybe it'll just get us killed. But at least we'll be in good company. Amen? Amen. Thanks, folks. Go to our website, www.faithshelton.org, to find more resources for growing closer to and more like Jesus. Maybe you'll join a small group, or would you share your ideas about how faith can bless our neighbors? Sign up for our weekly emails, like us on Facebook, make a financial donation to Faith, subscribe to this podcast, you know the drill. I want to thank Chaz, as always, for his podcast production work every week. And I want to thank the people of Faith for your faithfulness, your love, your generosity, and kindness. God bless you and keep you. God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. God look upon you with favor and give you peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mm-hmm.